This is Whitley Strieber, and this is Dreamland. You've reached the edge of the world. Today we're talking to someone with a very different vision of the UFO and close encounter alien phenomenon than you're used to hearing about. Because Charles Upton is Muslim and takes the a viewpoint of this that is very different from what you might have heard, in particular from the conventional uh, Western vision of reality, and to a great extent also different from the Christian vision. Charles is a poet and metaphysician. He is uh, from uh, San Francisco. He's a protege of the Beat Generation, and to look at him and to look at me, you know, we probably both are to an extent. Um, he's been a, uh, a member of the psychedelic counterculture, and yet it seems eminently sane, nevertheless, still. Um, uh, he's a peace activist. He's a Sufi Muslim. He's a writer in the traditionalist perennialist school, and we'll learn about what that is. And uh, he has co-founded with Dr. John Andrew Morrow the, uh, an international Muslim interface peace, mo peace movement known as the Covenants Initiative, and has been writing on the subject of UFOs since 2001, and his new book, The Alien Disclosure Deception, is what we will be discussing today, and also his ideas about this and how he comes to them, because it, in particular, as this thing becomes more focused in our world, it is terribly <coughs> important that the ideas of people like Charles get a serious hearing. Uh, his website is uh, charles-upton.com. Charles, welcome to Dreamland. Well, glad to be here. And uh, jumping right in, you, you say that my view as a Muslim is substantially different from the Christian view. And I, I, th that, is, that is not my view. Uh, well, well, oh, I thought I said somewhat different. Well, yeah, uh, so, somewhat. The, the the Muslim view is 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 more nuanced, I would say. But I could certainly say that you know it, it's interesting that you say that that my view is is rarely heard. This shows a sort of encapsulation of what you call the conventional, you know, you, view of UFOs and the, you know the UF, ufologist world. Because certainly my view is in line with that of many evangelical Christians with uh, at least one other, one Sufi sheikh, um, Nurjan Mirhamadi, who's a Naqshbandi sheikh, um, uh, an Eastern Orthodox priest, uh, Father Spiridon Bailey from uh, United Kingdom. And, um, you know, th there's a lot of background, there's a lot of material on, on an understanding of, let us say the more sinister aspects of the UFO, UFO phenomenon that, that are found in both Christianity and Islam, and uh, they're not that different. There is there are some some important differences though, which I will um, I will address. So, well, one of the things I wanted to talk about, I, I think by talking about it, we'll get into the subject 
in 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 a in a a useful way Mm -hmm. is uh your vision of the netflix series top secret ufo projects declassified and your your understanding of what that series was actually doing and what is and what it represents uh, you say, for example, in the blog on uh, CharlesUpton.com about it, you mentioned something that has been very much on my mind for a long time. Uh, you say, uh, evidence for this covert promotion appears in top secret UFO projects declassified when it asserts that whistleblowers who reveal what the government knows about the UFO phenomenon do so at risk of their lives, while... At the same time, presenting us with the findings of so-called whistleblowers like Colonel Philip Corso, Bob Lazar, Emery Smith, astronaut Edgar Mitchell, who have been operating freely for years, speaking, writing, and appearing in videos apparently with no negative consequences. And I am acutely aware of this. I agree with you. It is true that, you know, I know a good number of people inside the classified world not necessarily connected with this but just as a writer doing your you come across such people and they do not whistleblowing is a very dangerous business and yet these people who spout all of these secrets seem unbothered by any official sanctions why is that charles well, it, it would seem to indicate, and of course I cannot prove this, but, but my informed speculation is that they, a double game has been being played from, from at least to the end of World War II about how to present UFOs to the public. I mean, there, there's the, been the official debunking of, of the UFO, UFO phenomenon that we're all familiar with, which is just this year and last year just changed. Now we have an official acceptance. But the debunking, you know, went for, went for decades. But at the same time, there were these apparently targeted leaks of information that would seem to indicate that UFOs are real, that the intelligence community knows a great deal about them. You know, the, the, the myth that um, Eisenhower made a treaty with the aliens and all of this, all this stuff is being leaked at the same time. And it's being leaked by people associated with the intelligence community and the military. So it, there we have uh, two different parallel stories. And what I would say is that when, when you see, um, you know, a contradiction like that being foisted upon the American people, uh, it appears to be deliberate. And when contradictory bits of information are projected into to the mind and the consciousness of the victim uh, without any acknowledgement or indication that there is a contradiction. This has the effect of paralyzing the critical faculties of that person or of that population. And I think something like this is being done. And I think, you know, because, um, you know, social engineering and uh, what has come to be called mind control is a, a science that, that, that has been studied intensively for generations, if not centuries, by people who, who, uh, whose goal is to control populations. And I think this has been foisted upon us. You can look at a lot of the 
post-World War II um, science fiction movies um, as, you know, from a standpoint of uh, there being propaganda films. Um, one of the best uh, examples of this is the film Red Planet Mars. And I'm right, right now I do not remember the name of the producer of this, but I discovered that he uh, ha had a background in producing propaganda films for the U.S. government during World War II. So we have, you know, what appears to be a, con a, co a continuing of the propaganda effort, but in, in another framework and, and for another purpose. Uh, so for some reason, it seems like the elements of the in, uh, military industrial intelligence community have been covertly, um, you know, standing behind and, and initiating a belief in UFOs um, while at the same time debunking them uh, publicly. And why this is going on, um, you know, th this, this is, is an, another area for speculation. But I think we have to realize that a lot of the things that are being projected um, about UFOs from, from many different sources, you know, from supposedly legitimate documentaries and, and completely fictional accounts and, you know, what, whatever crazy crank theory may come, somebody may come up with, there's a vast amount of information being projected about what UFOs are supposed to be. And if you look at the Netflix series, you will see, you know, examples of two problems. Um, and what's interesting about when you look at, um, you know, something like uh, uh, Top Secret UFO Projects Declassified, uh, what you have is the text. You have the actual things that are being said. They are sitting there. The, the, this, these are not anomalous experiences that someone reports that may or may not be true. We have it, and we it it, it is it is the on the record, and we can analyze it. And we can and and if you look at so much of what is said in that documentary, which covers pretty well um, a lot of legitimate information about UFOs, but also it covers the myth that is being developed about UFOs. And um, if you look at that uh, at that source, you will find um, two kinds of deception, which are very clear once you recognize uh, and, and entertain the possibility that you are being deceived. Then you then the scales fall off your eyes, and you say, "Wait a minute." One is once again the unconscious contradiction ploy, which which I just mentioned. Um, you have in that series story after story after story of the damaging effects of UFOs. And of course, this is now coming out. The, the, recently, the Pentagon just came out with a report, which detailed very interestingly the damaging effects, both physically and psychologically, which you know personally have experienced of, of uh, contact with UFO aliens or whatever they may be. And um, at the same time, it has uh, admitted the, the, uh, a large range of paranormal manifestations that sometimes accompany UFO sightings, including elves, ghosts, spirits, you know, Sasquatches, God knows what, and all and, and sexual encounters. And um, you're certainly you know, talking to the, yes. the choir here because I have yeah, had right. 
But 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 what's interesting, what's interesting along is, those is lines. That, that people like Luis Elizondo and um, and Alejandro Rojas and I guess Chris Mellon and people like that. that, that, that there's there there is a line that uh, well n- nothing uh, uh, negative has ever happened in in, in human uh, alien contact. It's all good. There are no stories of, of, of disastrous or, or, or negative or toxic encounters. And, you know, this, this is flying directly in the face of so much evidence. I would like to, at one point, ask you why you think they are denying this. They want to say the UFO aliens are the good guys. Nothing bad has ever happened to anyone through contact with aliens. And that's, that is absurd. Well, listen, I'll tell you why I think they say that. I think they say that because they don't know what they're talking about. Well. Or is it more sinister? Give me your idea because I'm very interested. I think it's, 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 they want to promote these beings as our spiritual guides and protectors. And so they have to deny how horrible they are and what damaging, you know, painful and, and, and destructive things that they do to people. You know, I have to say that as a close encounter witness, I have gone on a spiritual journey, but it's been my journey. It hasn't got anything to do with them. They haven't guided me at all. My journey is my choice. Well, but but but, but, but let me let me just did finish. They not initiate you, you know. I they think not initiate that, that journey, but by by you know, you know, effecting a radical break with your earlier reality with consensus reality of course it's your journey because we're all individuals and and everybody has their own path and yet um you know that they definitely had an effect wouldn't you say upon your journey well they well they initiated it by yeah. by uh abducting me and and you know my friend jeff kripal whom i've written uh, supernatural with says says that you can see that as an initiatory experience because it overturned your world Yes. And it did. And that is again and again in the whole phenomenon, you see one witness after another whose com- world was completely overturned, sometimes by nothing more than the close approach of a UFO. Yeah. But this overturning, is this is there intention behind it? In other words, I made something of the overturning of my world and went all the way from where I was then, which was a uh, uh, a secular humanist would be the best way to describe it to what I am now, which is a which is a person deeply committed to the teachings of Jesus. I've even written a book about it called Jesus: A New Vision, mm-hmm. and um, that started me on that journey. So, were they good or evil? What, what what's well, going on well, here? Many people have been started on a journey like yours by. Uh, going being wounded in war, for example, you, you 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 go to war. You know, you get a leg blown off. You know, you 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 feel like you, you don't want to go on with life, and then somehow you gather the resources uh, to go on, and 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 you you turn to to deeper aspects of reality, and and you know something comes that 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 gives you a new outlook. I mean, any traumatic experience, whether it be paranormal or not. Uh, will affect a break with with your former reality. Uh, you 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 can be kidnapped by terrorists, you know, and 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 kept for for twenty four months and finally released, and you're going to be a different person. And 
you know, people people may go in a bad direction after that, or they or they may go in a good direction, in a much deeper direction. But you you, you cannot say that that the simple fact that that they traumatically broke you with your 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 former way of looking at things um, is necessarily a vote of confidence. <laughs> in them, you know, I mean, what, what is, no, what is I don't one? think so. I, I, yeah. I, I don't look at it. I, I was much more, you know, you know, of course, what Stockholm syndrome is. Yeah. I was going to bring that up. Right. Yeah. Well, me too. Well, let me, let, let me just say for the listeners who don't know, and there may be some Stockholm syndrome is basically what happens when somebody is being persistently oppressed, captured by terrorists or something like that, and they become allied to their oppressors it, it, mentally, emotionally. They become, and they begin to, Patty Hearst is a perfect example. Uh, the Symbianese Liberation Army people turned her into an ally, even though she was their captive. I think this is a very, very important part of this phenomenon. And I would like you to talk more about it. Well, uh, you, you, you said it. I mean, that, that, that is, for one reason or another, a recognized psychological phenomenon. I mean, uh, people who have the power to totally change your, your worldview seem, from one point of view, you know, to, to, to represent reality. They, rep they, they, are, they, are, they are the wise men. You know, they, they after your contact with them, you know a lot more than you knew before, even though you may not have sorted it out yet. So for, for whatever for whatever reason, also there, there's a, a, a simply a, a brainwashing aspect to it. You know, they threaten to kill you and then then they don't. You know, you, 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 you think you think your life is over and, and then suddenly they don't kill you. You know, and, and, and you're immensely grateful. Thank you for not killing me. This is something that was recognized by the North Koreans uh, during the Korean War. You know, some of their methods and a very common method of uh, mind control and brainwashing is to alternate terror and relief. And so the, the, the relief is, is, so, is so touching and, and so deeply felt that... Uh, People can even mistake it for friendship on the part of the people who, who had just threatened to kill you but didn't. You know, that, that's one of the things, one of the ways an experience like this can, can exercise a control over you. There's another question about whether there is an element of demonic uh, near possession in something like this. And if people don't, don't do a radical break with forces that, that, that have violated them and, and, and uh, you know, uh, violated their human integrity and their human dignity, if, if they do not immediately say, these people are my enemies, I want, I want out, I never want to see these beings again, I want to help protect myself from them, I want to protect other people from them. And if, if that reaction doesn't take place, which is, which is an abnormal response, to say the least, um, what that may indicate is simply fear of reprisal. If, if, if you turn against these beings who have in, in, inserted themselves into your life and are still probably very close to you in one way or another, you know, that they, the door to them has been opened and they can walk into your life apparently when they please. And if you turn against them, what might they do next time? The, the, the first meeting was terrible enough. 
if, if you consciously turn against them and, and say, you know, if you believe in God, say, God, protect me from these beings, you know, save me fr from from these these terrible forces. You fear their reprisals. You know, what what will they do to you now? You know, so th th there's a great. And, and, and people may feel, you know, in, the, in a situation with the Stockholm syndrome, you know, if the Symbionese Liberation Army can walk into Patty Hearst's protected life and, you know, abduct her and take her, you know, turn her into, into a terrorist and a bank robber and whatever, ho holding a assault rifle, uh, you know, th this gives, gives anybody the feeling that, well, hey, I don't have any protection. Nothing, th th they, they can do this at any time which may or may not be true in a given instance, but that's the feeling you get. And people are afraid to turn against them because, because of reprisals. So no. and I, think, I, think, I think, you know, to, 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 to admit that these, these beings who have treated you in this horrible manner and violated you in this way are indeed your enemies is, is an important step, you know. I wonder, still to this day, in my own life and the lives of so many others like me exactly what they are and this is why you're here because i want you to to present your vision of this because if they are our enemies then a lot of us are suffering from stockholm syndrome without realizing yes. it and yes. we need to face that possibility it's very important now in the alien disclosure deception or the subtitle rather is the metaphysics of social engineering now this aspect of social engineering you mentioned uh, uh, what's going on now with these disclosures and so forth can you tell us a little bit about your vision of this social engineering because we talked a little while ago about supposed whistleblowers who never get punished and uh, something is going on here that that is clearly not what is being said that i will certainly agree with you on but but uh what would it be because i you know i knew edgar mitchell quite well we were good friends and uh, some of the others as well that you mentioned are have i've known in one way or another and um edgar was a deeply inspired man but he was at the same time, privately, he never spoke much publicly about this. He was extraordinarily wary of these entities. I, I, I guess that would be the best way to describe well, it. Well, we can start there. They're, they're definitely entities. Yeah. Yes, they are. Well, actually, and they can be very physical, as I found out. I mean... Yeah. Well, I, you've actually, I, you've asked two questions and one, one is, you know, what these beings are and two, what is the social engineering uh, project that, that I see ha having been built around, around the experience of these beings. So I'll, I'll start with the first question. Um, let me go here to my notes for a second. Um, so, uh, in my notes, I say that I wanted to say, um, I claim that, that my book is, is, is the most complete picture of what the UFO aliens are. 
uh, uh, that has yet been produced. Now, I haven't read all the books, and maybe somebody has done better than me. But as far as I know, this is the most complete vision that I have ever seen. And it, it's basically, uh, let's, let's start with uh, Jacques Vallée, who I think is probably the most reliable ufologist all in all. And he, he points out three aspects of the phenomenon. He says, they obviously have a physical aspect. They appear on radar. Uh, they leave physical traces. They have physical effects on human beings and this, this. Uh, the second one is the psychic slash paranormal, which, which can be separated. But for the present purposes, I'm putting them in the same category. The psychic paranormal aspect, which is, you know, these beings can walk through your walls at night and, and appear in your dreams and, and levitate you and do things that, that uh, are not uh, common in physical reality. Okay, and the third aspect is that uh, there seem to be human deception activities around um, uh, this phenomenon, and which is very strange. I mean, um, this is what uh, Jacques Vallée talked about in his book, Messengers of Deception, uh, particularly the deception, human deception activities around the UFO, UFO phenomenon. So um, how do you put those three together? Well, what you first have to understand is something, you know, an aspect of traditional metaphysics. Because what I say is, uh, in, in short form, I could say my view of what the UFO aliens are is based upon a ufology of Jacques Vallée seen through the, the traditional metaphysics of French metaphysician René Guénon. Uh, who, who simply, who didn't invent all of this because he, he is the, known as the founder of the traditionalist or perennialist school. And at its best, the perennialist school is simply a compendium of the esoteric wisdom of the human race in a very high intellectual level. It's not its own particular ideology, although it can go in that direction. But um, so what, what Guénon um uh, makes clear, and, and what traditional metaphysics makes clear is, is the being, being existence is, is arranged hierarchically. Um, you know, it was known in, in the uh, 18th century as the great chain of being, the ontological hierarchy, hierarchy of being. And at the apex of the hierarchy is the absolute, absolute reality, which we know of, which we call God. And, um, God manifests or, or you know, emanates on, on a lower level, uh, you know, the angelic world, which is uh, partakes of his eternity and yet is now differentiated into uh, different uh, individual beings. And then the, the next lower world is the whole psychic world. And the psychic world is, is uh, more subjective uh, it's extremely complex, um, and at the lower uh, border of the psychic world is, is what some will call the etheric plane. This is the subtle material dimension. Now, below that, you, you, we have physical reality as we understand it, which is what we experience through our five senses and uh, our ideas of reality based upon what our five senses tell us. So this is how reality is organized. So um, from this point of view, you would say that the UFO aliens, whatever forms they take, and the, and the, the forms are innumerable, 
I mean, whether they be reptilians or greys or tall Nordics or whatever they, however they appear, um, they, they, they show the characteristics of the, the lower tier of the psychic plane, the subtle material plane. And, and uh, according to this definition, they are identical with what the Muslims uh, call the jinn. And the, the, the jinn are not fully spiritual beings. They're subtle material beings. They're usually invisible to us, but they have the power to appear in our world. They can temporarily materialize. According to some accounts, they have their own forms of technology. And uh, th that's what, what do the UFO aliens appear to be, the jinn. Now, according to Muslims, we need to take a We need to take a brief pause. Okay. And, uh, for, and we'll be right back, folks. Uh, free Dreamlanders, uh, please uh, listen to these commercials <laughs> and do what we ask for once. Uh, I'm sure you will. And subscribers, why don't you tell your friends about unknowncountry.com? There's no stigma attached to this anymore. Uh, perhaps there should be if, uh, if, if, if Charles is right. But in any case, if you well, want to explore this, well, let me finish, Charles, because we're going to take a pause right now. If you're going to want to explore this, Unknown Country is a, a place to do it where we will show you all sides of uh, all visions of this very complex issue. Charles, before we left the air, you were just about to talk to us about the jinn and their, their physical, their ability to manifest in the physical world. And I would like to once again uh, uh, approach this with two questions. The first question is if you could tell us what their origin is, what our understanding of the, them is, and where that comes from. And then secondly, what would be their motives for involving themselves with human beings? Yes, motives is very important. We have to understand that, that any sentient beings have intent. And there's, there's nothing wrong with asking what their intent might be. We don't want to just treat them as if they were atoms or molecules or stars. They are conscious beings. So, well, the, the, the jinn are uh, mentioned in the Quran. You know, they were certainly known to, to the uh, pre-Muslim Arabs. They're, they're essentially the same beings as the fairies of Northern Europe. They're the beings that uh, the Greeks and, and, uh, and Plato and the Platonists called the daimones, from which we get our word demon, which is not entirely the same thing, but the daimones. And uh, in the Middle Ages, uh, uh, Christian Middle Ages, they were called the longa evi, which means the long-lived ones. It's very interesting. Uh, um, C.S. Lewis, his last, last book was called The Discarded Image, which is basically a story. Uh, you know, it's a very scholarly treatment of the, in the pagan sources of the, 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 the vision of reality held by the Christian Middle Ages, which also had pagan elements. And um, one of the uh, realities they recognized was the Longa Avi, which is another name for the fairies. And uh, they weren't sure whether these were fallen angels, whether they were angels demoted to sort of a lower level, or whether they were an independent race of beings that had nothing to do with the angels. This was uncertain in terms of theology, but, but their reality was recognized. So, uh, 
So this is this is uh, essentially what I think the UFO aliens are. In terms of the jinn, it is said that um, some of the jinn are Muslim and some are not. In other words, there are those who who believe in God, who are faithful, and and who worship God in their own way. And the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, was sent as a prophet to both men and jinn. So the Quran is essentially addressed in some ways to the jinn as well. So, uh, but but there are also jinn who who are not Muslims who, who and, and you know, some jinn are considered to be following the Christian way. Some are considered to be following the Jewish way, but there are others that that are are not following any uh, belief in God. And these are the beings that pretty much uh, I I would say should be identified with the Christian demons. Now, there's a very interesting story about the jinn, um, and and this has something, you know, a, a direct relationship to something I heard just last night. I heard your interview with um, uh, Jeffrey Mishlove that, about a year ago, and um, you, you said a very interesting thing, which actually appears in the Quran. Now, uh, the Quran tells the story of uh, Allah creates Adam in the, in the next world, in, in the world before this one, the before terrestrial world, before he, Adam is sent to earth. And he, he creates Adam and says, this is the being I'm going to send, you know, to, to be the steward of creation, to, to rule terrestrial existence. And the angels are freaked out. And they say, don't you know what he's going to do, don't you? You know, he's going to shed blood. He's going to do great evil on the earth. And you're going to send this being to be, you know, the center and, 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 and the, your vice regent in your terrestrial creation. Why? And all Allah says in return is, I know something that you don't know. And then he, he, he commanded uh, Adam to tell the angels all of their names because they didn't know their own names. Only he knew their names. So he told them their names. And then Allah commands uh, the angels bow down to Adam. And they all bowed down to Adam except one uh, who is called Iblis, who later became the Muslim Satan. Now, Iblis was not an angel per se, but he was one of the jinn among the angels who was allowed into the company of the angels. Very much like Loki in Norse mythology was one of the giants, one of the Jotun uh, who was uh, admitted to the company of the Aesir, the gods in Valhalla. Very similar story. But so, so he refused to bow down. He said, you know, this, you know I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to bow down to, to a, a being made of clay, whereas I am made of smokeless fire. Never. I'm superior to him. And so he was cast out by Allah, and he became the devil. Now, what's interesting is one of your experiences with your visitors that you recounted in your interview was that they came to you and they prostrated themselves to you. And they said, you know, if you only knew what a human being was, you know, you, you, you are you are greater than us. You, you are, you know, you are the, the center and we're simply, you know, the periphery, something like this. Well, I mean, that's a motif that's directly out of the Quran. That's what the angels, you know, God commanded the angels to bow down to Adam in, that, in exactly that way. Because the human being has a preeminence in a certain sense over the angels. The angels are higher beings. They're closer to, to Allah, but they're not as central. 
they're all it's like each angel is is based on a particular name of Allah, whereas the human being is formed upon all the names of Allah. We are the epitome of universal manifestation and everything that is in the universe is also in God's universe and all the levels of the universe is also in us. That's what makes us the microcosm of the macrocosm. I'm sure you've heard that phrase. So very interesting that, you know, that, that, that happened to you. And so these beings at that point were obviously differentiating themselves from those beings who first initiated you, and as you revealed in, in your interview, through raping you. You know, no, the, 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 first, the first beings you met were bad news. You know, that they, they, they violated you. They showed no respect for, for, for your human integrity. In fact, they deliberately violated it. Whereas these beings later come and, 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 and say, you know, you, you, you are greater than us. You, 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 are, you are the center of God's creation. You know, and so... There's a difference between these two these two sets of beings here, right? They have obviously different opposite qualities and opposite intent, and this is where the, we pray for the gift of discernment of spirits, so we can say not everything that comes from that world is on the same level or 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 has uh, has the same intent, and there are ways to to differentiate you know one influence from another so we can choose so we can go go in, in a positive direction and and not go to our own destruction so so um folks the, there's something broken over here and I can't reappear just yet hopefully I'll be able to there we go all right I'm sorry for that. Uh, I yeah, was... that, that, that happens. That happens. <laughs> right. Well, happens. my listeners right. know right. that that happens on this show all the time. All kinds yeah. of bizarre electronic interference occurs. Uh, so far, you've been pretty clean. <laughs> Does that mean you're a good guy or a bad guy? I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, you, 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 you. But I, I you would know, like yeah, well, no, go ahead. Go ahead, please. Charles. Well, I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, one, one of my feelings, which, which uh, is, is something that, that Catholic exorcists have said about demons, in fact, is they could they can interact with electronic devices. So we never know if this is, is, is just a coincidence or whether it's a little bit of message coming from uh, the subtle plane. Well, you know, well, that's very interesting because I'd like to talk more about that because I and many of of the people I, in this experience, many of the people listening to this uh, do definitely uh, interact with electronic uh, things and put out street lights and so on and so forth yeah. right. quite routinely. And, and yeah. uh, there's no question about it. It does happen. Yeah. A, 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 an interesting story about that is, you, you know, of course, Jack Parsons. And yes, I do. And let's talk about that and, and the black magic of Jack Parsons and NASA. Yeah, well, you know, Jack Parsons, for those who, who do not know his story, uh, was a, a rocket scientist who, who co-founded the um, Aerojet Corporation, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. He, he was a student of Aleister Crowley, and one of his um, fellow students was L. Ron Hubbard, who founded Scientology. And, um, you know, he even has a, he has a crater named after him on the dark side of the moon. He submitted early plans for the Pentagon building, very integrated in, into, uh, 
you know, the, the, the military industrial complex. But at the same time, he was a pagan magician. He did pagan rituals at his uh, rocket launchings. He declared that his purpose in life was to destroy Christianity. And uh, this guy, you know, if, if you want to see the interface between magic, particularly black magic, and technology and technocracy in the 20th century, he's, he's the central point. He let the cat out of the bag. So recently I saw on YouTube a, a video of him, um, you know, it was some film that was made quite a while ago of his doing one of his magical operations, which was called the Babylon, B-A-B-A-L-O-N workings, uh, in which he was invoking a female spirit called Babylon. And he was there, there was some audience you could hear clapping or talking and, and uh, he was talking to them and to, the, and to the filmmaker and he had this device. And he said, what this is, is a kind of an electronic Ouija board. And through this, uh, you know, I can talk to Babylon. He says, this is how we invoke demons. So, you know, he, he had developed a device which allowed beings from the subtle plane to interact with the, the, uh, the electronic field or whatever of this device or the magnetic field. And th th this would produce uh, a message, rudimentary message, something like uh, a Ouija board, you know. So um, th there's some question after that. And th this, this would lead, this leads back to the, uh, the question of social engineering. Um, there's obviously an attempt to launch the equivalent of a new religion, which says the human race was not created by God, but by the UFO aliens. Therefore, they are our proper guides and spiritual protectors. And this, this will uh, spell essentially the end of all the traditional religions. Now, this is the line that, that uh, appears in Top Secret UFO Projects Declassified, the Netflix series. And the question is, who wants, to, who wants this to happen? Who wants this belief system to, to be adopted by the human race? Who wants the traditional religions that believe in God and consequently in human dignity to disappear? Who? Yes, it's such you know, a huge question. Yeah. Because what, what this, and I talk about this even in communion, that this uh, dismal UFO religion is not worth following at all. And the idea that we were created by aliens, I mean, sure, it's possible that someone interfered with, with our genetic development. If we found intelligent creatures on another planet, who were helpless and you know, say it was 10,000 years ago, we'd probably yeah. be tempted to interfere too, but that wouldn't make us demons. There's something yeah. else going on here to try yes. to disempower the individual and hide from him the reality of his soul. Can you speak to that? Well, yes. I mean, I, I, I said to myself, Okay, we get back to, to René Guénon and his metaphysics. One of the things that he talked about was something called the counter-initiation. And he understood that, you know, from the beginning of time, there, there has been a tradition of God's uh, communication with humanity. This goes back to the idea in Islam that Adam was actually the first prophet, not just 
the father of the human race and the, the one who sinned, if he was the first prophet. Uh, so, so God, you know, ha has been uh, guiding and, you know, teaching humanity through the line of the prophets and in other religions through the avatars and, you know, through the great shamans of, 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 of the earlier world age, whatever. You know, God, God has been, the great spirit has been guiding us. But there, there has been a shadow to this which has gone on all along. And you can see this in the story of Cain and Abel. You can see this in many stories in the Old Testament. You can see this in the Tower of Babel. There has been a shadow or counterfeit religion that, that has been dogging the tracks of the true line of spirituality from the beginning of the human race. And um, this, this is what uh, Rene Guidon calls the counter-initiation. And what it is, it's, it's like the ego's idea of religion. You know, it's, it's, and it's, it's, it's the belief that from psychic information alone, not from spiritual wisdom and insight, but from psychic information, a religion can be developed. And consequently, it's, it's under the rule of the ego, not under the rule of the spirit, which, which allows us to transcend the ego. So, and, um, Certainly one of the forms of this uh, counter-initiation is, is uh, Satanism. Well, Satanism is coming out of the woodwork now. The Satanists, you know, want to be on the Interfaith Council and, and you know, they're, uh, if we don't watch out, they're going to develop an, an, an anti-defamation anti league that, that will go after you if you say anything bad about the devil, you know. They're very close yeah, to it. I've noticed you that. Know? We, we, we're really losing focus when uh, Satanism wants to join the conventional religions if it is satanism i mean maybe maybe they're transforming themselves into something else i don't know but it's well, a really very well let's let me i have to pause us now yeah uh we have to take another break for our free dreamlanders and uh okay. we'll be right back we're talking to charles upton his website charles-upton.com his new book the Alien Disclosure Deception, The Metaphysics of Social Engineering. And Charles, before we go more deeply into social engineering, why don't you just finish the thought that we left the air with? Well, the, the, the thought was, the, I was talking about the uh, counter-initiation, which is sort of the shadow side or, or uh, demonic counterfeit of true religion, which, has, which is also ancient and which has been developing side by side of true divine guidance to humanity for since the beginning of human race. And uh, I came to the conclusion there are two things that, that are elements of, of, you know, the true spiritual tradition that the counter initiation cannot counterfeit. One is the sense of the human being is paramount and this human dignity as paramount. Um, the beings who, uh, from the subtle plane, who can be called demons at this point, who are patrons of the counter-initiation, may have a certain degree of metaphysical knowledge and, and, and tell you versions of spiritual truth, but they can't tell you that the, that the human being is God's chosen representative upon earth, which is what we get from the Quran, um, because they operate by violating the human form. 
And so they cannot at the same time say, you know, your human dignity and, and integrity is, is the center of God's manifestation on earth. They can't do that. The other thing they can't do, which is very similar, is they can't see absolute reality as good. It is powerful. It is weird. If it isn't actively evil, at least it's very weird and very, you know, and, and this, this is very much the, the, the idea that we're getting of, of spiritual realities is, is that they're, they have a sinister, sinister, dark quality. <clears throat> and anybody who thinks that God is good is, is, is simply, you know, a, a, a foolish Pollyanna type who, who uh, you know, doesn't know the real score. The real score is God is weird, you know. And of course, God is formidable. There's no question. God is there's rigor and there's majesty to God, but but it's instinct and 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 united with goodness at every point because goodness is fullness of being, completeness. You know, in goodness, all the possibilities of something are worked out and harmoniously integrated. And and it, it, it's 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 full, it's complete. Whereas evil is partial, self-divided, at war with itself, you know, filled with holes, filled with incompletions, and therefore it has a sucking quality and wants wants to 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 take reality from the good and fill in the holes in in, in its configuration, which it can never succeed in doing because it's it's. Uh, it's broken in its essence. So we have to recognize that that uh, that that beings who come to us and say that, that they can put us in touch with God, but not through the human form. In other words, perhaps through an, an alien human hybridization project. Is that going to bring us closer to God? No, because we are human beings and that is our only way to God. This is what Jesus meant, one of the things when he said, none come to the Father but through me, which means none come to the absolute reality except through the integrity of the human form. So I have, I have seen that uh, business of alien-human hybridization. It's not theoretical in my life. I've seen such a person and interacted with such a person. My listeners know the story already, Charles, but it's a terribly sad story. Because this was a this was probably the most disturbed individual I've ever seen. He was in constant, ceaseless agony. Uh, and what was he? he? When I first saw him, I, I he was looked like a boy of about eleven, and he may well have been a boy of about about eleven because I had had sexual contact with. Uh, one of these creatures about 10 or 11 years before I saw him. Mm -hmm. and, and he began to live in the woods behind our house in upstate New York. And then when we moved to Texas, he, he followed us and created such a, an uproar in the condo complex that people called uh, social services because there was a very strange feral child living there. He could not speak, but he could hear thoughts and he could project his thoughts into your head and it was a very very difficult experience to have a relationship with him i finally well, yeah. succeeded in driving him off what was he charles in your view well from from the traditional uh, christian and muslim standpoint he was demonically possessed very simple now if 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 this begins to have a, a measurable genetic um you know, component, 
then you, you can talk about something like alien human hybridization. But what it essentially is, is a manifestation of profound demonic possession. So uh, one of the things I want to deal with is, is it, the last question is like how, how, how we can protect ourselves against these evil forces and work against them. But in any case, um, I, I, want to, I want to simply read you some things here, which, you know, I'm, I'm, now we're beginning to talk about demons per se. And uh, it's very interesting here. Why, what, someone would ask, why do you think of, of these beings as demons? I mean, they, uh, isn't that um, supersti religious superstition? Well, okay. Now, you know John Mack. I'm, uh, was he a friend of yours? Did you know him? Uh, yes, I did. I knew John very well, indeed. He yeah. was a good friend, like Jacques Vallée is also a good friend. Yeah, well, okay. So um, th th this is my, uh, this is actually a paragraph from my book. This, this is my overview of John Mack's view of um, people who have been uh, experienced alien abduction. Uh, he studied in, in his book something like a hundred different cases of abduction, and this is what he came up, up with. He says, this says, Mac, Mac lists, quote, physical and psychological scars of their experience ranging from nightmares and anxiety to chronic, chronic nervous agitation, depression, even psychosis, to actual physical scars, puncture and incision marks, scrapes, burns, and sores. He informs us that the alien abductors routinely subject their victims to terrifying and humili humiliating medical-like procedures. They also voyeuristically view them performing sexual intercourse or themselves have intercourse with them. He speaks of broken marriages and alienation of affection between parents and children as amongst the more common after effects and says that negative physical and psychological effects persist even in cases where spontaneous healing of chronic or incurable diseases occurs. Okay, that's, that's what Mac says. Now, Mac, the, the funny thing about Mac is he, he uh, had a positive view of the UFO aliens even after knowing this. He said, well, they're here to administer some, some hard lessons that we need to learn. All right, that's what you said. Now, compare this to traditional Christian reports of what is called demonic demonic vexation. A lot of this comes from experiences of exorcists. Vexation means, generally speaking, uh, physical attacks by demonic forces. Okay. Now, effects, effects include physical attacks on a person, cuts, burns, scratches, punctures, writing on the skin, bites, beatings, blows that leave bruises, swellings, bloody sores, broken bones, incisions on the skin that spell words or form signs that persist for a certain time and then disappear, and illnesses with unknown causes and unknown cures. Some victims have been the targets of stones, excrement, and feces that seem to have come out of nowhere. Others have been hurled from their beds or down the stairs tossed in the air or thrown down to the floor or against a wall or dragged by the hair by an invisible hand. Others have been taken from where they were and transported long distances. There you have abduction. Vexations can break up friendships and isolate a person. Uh, a couple who are married or engaged to be married can separate or to the contrary, two persons can become engaged even though they are incompatible. So you see, this is almost... 
these are the same symptoms. These are, these are the same manifestations. This is what's understood, has been understood for centuries by Christian and also Muslim exorcists as the activity of demons. That's what, you know, if, if you put those two accounts together, it, 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 is, it is not much of a stretch to say the UFO aliens, at least the ones that act in this manner, are demons. Because, and there's a vast uh, uh, literature uh, uh, describing the effects and, uh, of these beings and the ways to counter them. And, you know, obviously the, the world of ufologists needs to inform themselves of this, of this body of data because it is, it is immensely relevant. Now, when you talk about what's interesting is the Pentagon is now coming out with reports which seem to corroborate the religious view of what the aliens are. They, they do not adopt, adopt the religious view, but they corroborate it in two ways. One is to talk about the various deleterious effects of UFO encounters, which, which recently the Pentagon released a lot of, a lot of reports on this. Uh, secondly, is to, to admit the various paranormal manifestations that sometime, uh, sometimes accompany UFOs. So this is, this is uh, basically what, uh, from several articles on the web, this is what the, the Pentagon reports are now saying. As for the Pentagon reports, some of the effects of alien encounters are in line with the radiation sickness hypothesis. Now, this is what Luis Elizondo, actually, actually Jack Sarfati as well, that I'm, whom I'm in touch with, and um, uh, some other people saying, well, the, the, these are not deliberate attacks. These are simply, uh, you know, the, the UFO uh, uh, craft ha have a, um, a technology, uh, propulsion technology that, that, that uh, creates radiation and then makes people sick who get near it. Um, but <laughs> that, that, that may, uh, be legitimate in certain circumstances, but some of the effects of alien encounters are in line with the radiation sickness hypothesis, but others clearly go beyond this explanation. The Pentagon documents, uh, state that people who observed identified flying, unidentified flying objects frequently displayed a cluster of similar physical symptoms, injuries consistent with exposure to electromagnetic radiation, such as burns, heart ailment, ailments, uh, and sleep disturbances. A report speculates that these could be caused by energy-related propulsion systems. On the other hand, there were accounts of apparent abduction as well as encounters with ghosts, yetis, spirits, elves, and other mythic legendary entities, five cases of sexual encounters, nightmares, voice loss, eye injuries and amnesia, breathing problems, weight loss, paralysis, and experiences of perceived telepathy, teleportation, and levitation. So what you have, um, there's a great consonance between what John Mack saw from his, his abductees, what the Pentagon is seeing uh, from its sources, and what the Catholic exorcists have always known and attributed to demons. So the demonic hypothesis uh, got a great boost from the Pentagon very recently, even though they're not going to come out and, and say that they are demons. But the, the evidence they give is entirely in line with that hypothesis. So... We have come to the end of the first hour of our show.
And in this third half hour, we're going to circle back. We're going to do two things. We're going to talk about what uh, Charles, how Charles defines demon and how that compares to jinn and what the relationship right. is. And we're also going to circle back to Jack Parsons and the injection of black magic into our official scientific endeavor in the United States and what the significance of that is to this day. Free Dreamlanders, I would like to thank you very much as always for being with us and subscribers, we will keep right on keeping on with this very provocative conversation. We're talking to Charles Upton. His website is charles-upton.com. His new book is disappeared. Ah, no, here it is. Uh, the Alien Disclosure Deception, the Metaphysics of Social Engineering, and it addresses the issues in uh, uh, Charles's vision of the issues until up until very recently. Uh, so it's a it's a brand new book. And uh, as I say, extremely provocative, and it's very, very thoroughly researched and well worked out. Thank you, Charles, for being with us and subscribers. We're going to go deeper together with Charles right now. Charles, can you tell us, share with us your vision of what demons and jinn are, what they are and what their motives are? Well, okay. Um, it seems like every major religion has some, some conception of demons. They're recognized in Buddhism in Hinduism, in Judaism, in Islam, in Christianity, the ones I'm most familiar with are the Christian and the Muslim versions. Now, according to the Christians, demons are fallen angels, angels who have rebelled against God, been cast out of heaven, and uh, are now uh, with their leader, Lucifer, uh, working to subvert God's creation and, and, and God's guidance and, and God and the religions that God has established on earth. And in order to, uh, well, uh, why do they want to do this? This is interesting because according to that view, they are already lost. Nothing they do can regain them heaven. Sometimes they may believe that they can dethrone God as if God is, you know, an individual force like Lucifer, you know, and if Lucifer gets strong enough, he could, dethrone God and become God, which is absurd because God is the nature of things. <laughs> you can't dethrone the nature of things. And also he appears in personal form. But so that, that, that's, that's a foolish, a foolish desire if indeed some of them believe this is possible. The other thing may simply be that through subverting and corrupting human souls, they get temporary relief from their torment. Maybe demons possess human beings just to get out of the fire, to, to, to get to a, a little cooler place where the, the torment is not so intense. And, but uh, any of them who, who know, really know the score know that, that you know, that they, they were lost from the first moment they turned against God because angels, you know, have a complete and an exalted will 
And once it makes a decision, that decision is once and for all and complete and, and, and uh, determines the quality of that, that whole being. Whereas with us, you know, we can decide something and go back on it and work on something and we're more involved in time. Whereas, you know, a, a rebellion that happens in eternity is effectively absolute. So that's the Christian idea. Um, Muslims, on the other hand, say angels, in their essence, cannot fall because they are, they are manifestations of the names of God and they partake of his, his eternity and they, they, it's impossible for them to fall. So the beings um, that, according to uh, Islam, are the, are the shayateen, the satans, the demons, are jinn. And they are those jinn who who uh, do not uh, do not believe in God or, or have not chosen to follow God, but are following you know their own lights or, or their own uh, their own leaders. And uh, but when it comes to the phenomenology of the uh, unfaithful, the kafir jinn among the Muslims or the demons among the Christians, the phenomenology is, is basically identical. They act in exactly the same way. So there's disagreement about exactly their status or where they come from, but there's little disagreement about their negativity and, and about how to deal with them. Because Islam also has a form of exorcism called rukya, um, which, you know, is, is the way that uh, demonic possession is dealt with within Islam. So, so you know, I found that the more I consciously set out to live for the good and on behalf of the good, the less um, violent and aggressive my experience became. But I want to, rather than discuss that, I want to go back and discuss another aspect of demons because I want to return to the story of that boy. Uh, who was a very physical person. Mm -hmm. You say you think he was demonically possessed. Yeah, he, he but, but let me no, yeah. let me let me let me finish with you. I'm, I'm going to take it a little farther than that. Sure. Uh, he was with two men. Uh, they lived, they took up residence in, in the flat behind, behind ours in the little condo complex we were in. And these two men, Charles, were the most extraordinarily dreadful people I have ever seen. They literally could project evil like an odor uh, that would hit you in the face and stop you. It was appalling. I saw them do things like steal things from a store with the clerks looking on and the clerks didn't even know it had happened. Yeah. And I saw it with my own eyes. Now, th these were real People. They were physical people. They mm -hmm. they looked like people, but you know, if you looked closely, there was a terrific evil in their eyes. They were appalling. Who were they? Were they also possessed? Because that seems it, it seems like an incredibly deep possession. And I want to ask you this: Can demons actually materialize and become physical entities in the world? Um, apparently, they can under certain circumstances. Um, to me, the, the, the demons, and I would also say this of the jinn, they cannot remain here 
on a permanent basis because this, this is not their world, yet they can intervene into this world and they, they can temporarily materialize. Yeah. So the, the, the men you're talking about were undoubtedly, you know, they were dealing with demons, but uh, they're, they're the ones who, uh, who went to the, who turned to the demons and, and, and said, uh, we want power. And they were given power. You know, they, they were, you could call them magicians, you know, or, or satanic magicians, you know, they, they, they could cast darkness into people's minds, they could project evil, they could do various things. So, you know, th this is all so well known for so many centuries. There's nothing new about any of this. I mean, if, if, if you go into to the, the annals of magic and, you know, and the demonic possession and exorcism in Christianity and in Islam, you will find immense literature of stories about this. Uh, so, so this is, there's nothing mysterious about this. There's nothing strange. There's nothing surprising. This is the way it's always been. It's just that we've gone into a materialistic uh, era where none of this, uh, you know, is plausible anymore. And we think this is ancient superstition and we don't believe it. But now it's in our face. Now the Pentagon has to admit it's real, right? So we're going to have to, you know, come to an understanding of what has always been known about these beings from, you know, the major world religions for centuries and millennia. It's all there. Any, anyone who, who, is, who is a believer and, and who has studied this material simply says, oh, yeah, that's another one of those. It's always been like that. It's like it, it's in the Gospels. You know, G Jesus, there was a, <clears throat> a demoniac who, who was, um, who was you know, apparently a crazy man, but he, he lived in, in, in the graves and the tombs. And uh, he had preternatural strength. You know, they tried to chain him and he could break the chains like Superman, you know. And, you know, he was terrorizing the community. And, and, and Jesus came to him and cast the demons out of him. And remember, they went into, into a herd of pigs and the pigs jumped off the cliff into the ocean and drowned themselves. You know, and, and this is you're, you're telling a very similar story. Anybody who's read that story in the Gospels and accepts it will say, well, here's another example of that kind of thing. Now, let me ask you this. Had it been you back there instead of me, with the knowledge that you possess, how would you have uh, responded to the presence of these three people in your life? Well, first you respond by prayer. You respond by prayer for, uh, for protection. Now, in Islam, a common thing is to recite the last two surahs of the Quran, which are the, the surah uh, al-Falaq, al the daybreak, and the surah al-Nas, which means mankind. And these are the surahs of protection against evil. And um, my wife is, is a Christian, and through her, our house has a, um, a St. Benedict's cross, which has been blessed by a valid priest. And, you know, she uses the uh, prayer to St. Michael for protection. And uh, there's a, uh, a phrase that Muslims use, uh, you know, I ask for protection against uh, Satan, the rejected. And, you know, the, the, these are, are, you know, protective uh, responses. Whether, 
one could go to an exorcist and say, <clears throat> we've got a problem out here, people living behind us. I don't know if exorcists make house calls of that kind and go out in the woods and try to deal with these people. But I, I, I would ha have contacted someone who's knowledgeable about exorcism if I could find, you know, the, the, the world of exorcism is now so, it's a mixed bag. You know, you, you have many non-traditional exorcists who may or may not be able to do something good or may make things worse. Who knows? We hear stories of, of crazy people who attempt to do exorcisms because, and they don't know what they're doing and they end up tormenting, you know, the poor victim even further. So it's a strange world, but there, there are legitimate exorcists. And I would probably start to do research and, and look for one. In fact, an exorcist I would trust in the Catholic world now is a father, Chad Ripperger. You can find his videos on YouTube, R-I-P-P-E-R-G-E-R. -E and, you know, he, he is very knowledgeable about Catholic scholastic philosophy, scholastic psychology. But, uh, you know, he, he, he's one of the few exorcists that has um, a public ministry, which is a dangerous thing to do, to come out as an exorcist. You know, you imagine the kind of attention you attract from people in this world and in other worlds. It's a dangerous thing to do, but he seems to be dealing with it pretty well. And uh, I, I keep trying to, to go to the Catholic exorcist and saying, do you recognize that that the, the, these uh, beings that are appearing in supposed spaceships, you know, have in, in many ways all the um, the uh, characteristics of traditional demons. And the Catholics have not been very open to this. They, they understand what happens if an individual is possessed and, and, and they have criteria for determining whether this is possession or mental illness. And they know how to proceed when it happens on that level. But when the Phoenix lights appear, you know, they don't, they don't immediately... Uh, say uh, this is demonic or they don't have a way as far as I can see to respond to something that's happening on a mass level. Uh, but but I, I keep trying to uh, to see if they're willing to talk to me. You know? um, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Sheikh Nurjan Miramadi also has videos on YouTube. He's Naqshbandi Sheikh, Sufi Sheikh, and uh, he understands the demonic nature of the aliens. And there's also a father, Spiridon Bailey, who's written a book on that subject. And um, you know, I, I hope at one point, uh, exorcists from different traditions can recognize this as something they need to address. Um, I'm not sure that's happened yet. But no, I don't think uh, it has. I, I don't think they've seen the connection that that you see, um, you, you know. Let's uh, let's go back. By the way, to top secret UFO projects to classify because we're coming up toward the end of our time together, and I know you've got more that you'd like to say about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, um, what we can say once we've got the text, and and this is not you know just a, a story we've heard somewhere, but this is the actual text. We can look and we, see, we can determine almost certainly that some kind of deception is going on here. And we, don't, we can't say why the deception is going on, who is ultimately behind it, but we can say this is deception. We are being fooled. 
And we can be reach certainty on that point because the material is here. We can analyze it. And once you start looking at it that way, it's pretty clear. So there are two aspects of the deception. One is unconscious contradictions. Okay, in that Netflix series, Top Secret UFO Projects Declassified, there are stories of terrible things done to people. Uh, the, the abduction of Travis Walton, another abduction of uh, Terry Lovelace and his friend, uh, you know, who, who, who terrible things were done to them. Uh, uh, st stories of um, uh, UFOs uh, uh, sh shooting down, you know, jet aircraft, you know. In other words, Open, open terrorism and war between the UFO aliens and the human race. And then in the same series, Alejandro Rojas comes forward and says, and you know, the funny thing is there are no stories of any kind of negative experience that anyone has ever had with these beings. You know, they are, they are, they are generally positive and helpful, you know, and, and, and that's, that's, so there have been no stories. Okay. Now, what happened? He, he was not shown the, the, the rest of the series, and so he ended up saying something that, that, that stu stuck out like a sore thumb because it was obviously contradicted by the whole rest of the series. You know, or is this an attempt? I mean, if you look at that series, I've talked to people, and I said, I didn't notice any problem. What? There were all these horror stories about UFOs, and then this guy comes and says, there's never been a single problem with them. And, and people do not notice that. And if they don't notice that, they have been hypnotized. They, their their um, critical faculties have been stunned into paralysis. The other one is, uh, you know, there are stories of, of the UFOs appearing above the Capitol building in, in 1952, huge fleets of them, and, you know, and, and all sorts of manifestations of UFOs, and, then they, and they appear, you know, and, and, and they, 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 they choose somebody and they say, we want you to be our emissary and, and tell, bring our message to humanity. Or they park in the middle of a road, a rural road in the middle of the night and wait for, for motorists to come along so they can blow their minds, you know. And so obviously, and, and just the way they fly, meaningless dancing in the sky. Why do they go like this and then suddenly, you know, go off at, at a 90 degree angle or appear and disappear or change color, change shape. What's all that? What are they doing? What they're doing is, is they, they are presenting us with a spectacle. They're trying to get our attention. Okay. And then Richard Dolan comes by and says, he says, I'm quoting him. He says, you know, they are secretive. They are covert. They don't want to be known. So that's something that would make me wonder, why are they so secretive? I mean, wait a minute. Every, the whole rest of the series made it clear that that isn't true. So did he feel like, like, like they'd, you know, they'd, they'd spoofed him? They didn't show him what they'd recorded from the other people? And he ends up saying something that looks so stupid? No, I don't think so. Because people I've talked to didn't notice the contradiction. It's so obvious, but they don't notice it. And this is a mind control technique. Okay, that's one. The other thing is absurd stories. Okay. 
Now, Philip J. Corso, I'm reading this here. The author of The Day After Roswell tells of an incident that took place in 1947 when he was a major at Fort Riley, Kansas. Apparently, a special cargo had been secretly delivered that day. And Corso, being a naturally curious sort, figured he'd poke around in it to see what he could turn up. So he chose one of the crates at random, a wooden packing crate chosen at random, pried it open, and what should he discover inside but an alien corpse? The corpse was not kept in a hermetically sealed, temperature-controlled coffin, just a regular wooden shipping crate. Imagine his surprise. Then the sergeant on duty turned up, at which Corso told him, Really, Sarge, you could get in trouble being with me while I'm messing around with a secret shipment like this, which I get to do because I'm duty officer, so let's just back out of here and pretend that nothing happened. So... And later, Colonel Corso, now a colonel, was stationed at the White House. No men in black with threats of dire consequences should he reveal what he saw, just professional advancement and a prestigious job. Now, obviously, this story is absurd. It could not be true. You don't have, have one of the most amazing finds in human history just slung in a wooden packing crate with no guard, with no, you know, attempt to preserve it, come now. So that is obviously a lie. And anybody who thinks it isn't a lie is not playing with a full deck, I'm afraid. Now, Rob Mercer is another one. He, he has a, a uh, I say, according to this likely story, researcher Rob Mercer responds to a classified um, advertisement took possession of a cache of documents stored in a garage of a former employee of Wright-Patterson Air, Air Base, which supposedly contained all the UFO accounts that had been collected by, but later excluded from, Project Blue Book. The documentary, the Netflix documentary, then go, goes on to accept the validity of this leaked material with absolutely, absolutely no corroborating evidence and to use it as the basis for further arguments and speculations. Maybe this is, is actually a common way for the military to dispose of classified documents that are taking up too much office space. Well, I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, if, if, if a former uh, employee of, of Wright-Patterson Air Base, um, you know, has, has taken secret documents, in, 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 you know, away with him and store them in his garage and then puts an ad in the paper that anybody could read could read and just say, well, just take these off my, my hands because I need more, more space. My garage is getting cluttered. You can have them for free. Just take them away. You know, obviously this person would, would, would be in jail or he would be disappeared, but, but he wasn't. And, you know, the, the, the story is absurd. No sane human being can believe these last two stories. And if we do not get a little hard-headed and logical and rational when it, dealing with the weird, ultimately weird um, subject of UFOs and aliens, uh, we're going to be led a merry chase, going to lead led by the nose. So we are being deceived. Why? I don't know. By who? Ultimately, I don't know. What their ultimate agenda is, that's all the realm of speculation. I can speculate intelligently on that, but I can't, have, can't reach any kind of certainty. Whereas in terms of our actually being deceived of these manifestations of contradictory stories and totally implausible stories being 
projected upon us, uh, this is certainty. This is absolute certainty. This is deception. And we need to ask ourselves who is doing it and why is doing it. And, and, and that that's later for that. You know, the answers to that will come, God willing, down the road. But the fact that we are definitely being deceived is a certainty at this point. Now, so doesn't, need... doesn't it go back, though, to the beginning of of the whole endeavor, which is the establishment of JPL, basically by a black magician uh, who opened a door? And in my, well, I mean, that, 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 that's that is that is very, very plausible speculation. It, it could well it could well do that. I mean, there are plenty of people nowadays who are saying that the 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 elites who are running the world are essentially now Luciferians. And, okay, you know, uh, let's, let's follow, follow up that uh, hypothesis and see what we get. We'll probably get a lot of evidence for it. Um, but, but what I'm trying to say is we need, we need to separate what we can know certainly from, from what is likely. You know, it, it, you know that, that there may be some pact between members of the military industrial intelligence complex and the UFO aliens for nefarious purposes is possible. Some would say it's likely, but it's not certain. What is certain? Get it through our heads. Forget, forget all the, all the, the, uh, the far out stuff, you know, for a while, come back to, you know, to, to, you know, uh, material everyday reality and use a little hard-headedness and say, this is absurd. These stories are obviously false. And get that through our heads and separate separate that from the speculation on, on, on the far out stuff, which is also important. Both are very important. But if, if we can simply say, you know, I, I mean, in any, any rational human being, whether he believes in, in ghosts and fairies and demons, whether he believes in God or not, whether he believes in, in extraterrestrial astronauts, all of that, leave all that aside. You know, uh, any rational human being, whatever his metaphysical belief may be, can look at those stories and say, well, obviously this is not true. These are not true. Then you start to ask why. And, I, you know, I, we, we, have to, we have to come down to earth once in a while, you know, to, to, to see that, that we are being fooled. And this is a separate, should be a separate science or a separate uh, uh, strand within ufology, I would call it deceptology. Forget about spec, you know, temporarily bracket the, the speculation about about what are demons or, or, or what are what are ETs, and just just look at what we are being told and ask whether it holds water or not. And and if we we, we need to separate that out, and and once we reach certainty on that point, which I think is very easy, if if we will pay attention. Uh, then we can start speculating. Well, well, who is fooling us and why? But we have we have to get to the certainty that that the deception is taking place first. And the problem is, I was talking to uh, to George Nuri. I was on Coast to Coast, and I was talking about you know deception. And and his first thought was, you mean all all these UFO uh, apparitions are hoaxes? You know, this is this is one of those preconceived ideas that makes it hard for people to see what's what. I said, no, obviously they're happening. I'm not talking about that at all. This is not hoaxes. 
this is a certain myth is being woven around this, this, these apparitions. Um, you know, at one point, I believe that at the very least, whether or not certain people have made pact with, you know, the powers of darkness through the UFO phenomenon, at least the phenomenon was recognized by the military. It was seen to be, you know, it kept happening. It could not be explained. It could not be predicted. It could not be prevented. So they said, well, at least let's use it. At least let's use these events to weave a myth that will change the way uh, the American people and the people of the world look at reality. And, yeah, well, uh, that's exactly what's going on right now. It, it, yeah. it, you know, people are, keep saying to me, oh, they didn't <laughs> say much at that, at, that, at, at that congressional hearing the other day, but they actually did. They opened a door. Yes. That, uh, years ago, I wrote a story called The Open Doors about uh, the fears, I believe, that, were, that, that uh, a professor who was early on working on this uh, Dr. John von Neumann had about that, that once you open the door to this in your mind and you admit that it's real, that door can never be closed again. Yeah. And it and might also, be that something's going to come through that door that we don't like. Right. And also at, at, in the uh, congressional hearings, there's, they're saying, well, you know, they, we have no evidence that they're UF, that they're aliens. Well, if, if they are undeniable manifestations, and at the same time, we have no evidence that, that they're astronauts from other planets, what does that leave? That leaves the paranormal explanation as the only one that's, that's uh, plausible. And even though they're not pushing that in, in Congress, that's what they opened the door to. And that, so that, that's exactly right. I noticed that yeah. too. They did yeah. because, and you know, there was a, there was blowback on the New York post, uh, a, a post a reporter called, I believe, uh, something Green Street, uh, uh, not Sydney Green Street, obviously, but something, another first name, Green Street, uh, tried to uh, link the paranormal with all of the UFO material in order to make the UFO material seem absurd. But what I thought it was actually happening was that he yeah. was inadvertently revealing a hidden truth, that there is a very powerful paranormal aspect to all of this. Yeah. And uh, that's now, I mean, you, you, you cannot say that, that we accept the possibility of, uh, you know, extraterrestrial astronauts visiting the Earth, but we don't accept the paranormal possibility because they're pretty much equal in outrageousness. Once you say one is possible, then maybe anything is possible. In other words, it's not, uh, I don't think the paranormal explanation is, um, it's not capable of, of, of being debunked and laughed at at this point. I, I don't think so either. Charles Upton, we have reached the end of our time together. Charles's book, The Alien Disclosure Deception, The Metaphysics of Social Engineering, his website charles-upton.com. I would like to thank you for being with us here on Dreamland and uh, giving us an in-depth uh, look at your vision of the UFO phenomenon, which is, of course, very different from the vision of most people, in certainly in the UFO community, 
and the vision that would be appearing to begin to be promoted by the government. So mm -hmm. thank you for this dissenting voice very eloquently stated. It's a dissenting voice in terms of ufology, but, but it's, it's the established voice in terms of Christianity, Islam, and many other religions. And there, there's plenty of material on, on that view if the people in the ufologist world can come out of their bubble and take a look at it. Well, I urge them to do just that, and because we've got to understand this, and we're not going to successfully understand it if we if we go from the from from the position of belief. We have to ask good questions, and you can't ask good questions without understanding what the, the people of the past and the people in the religious community think about this. Yes. So, thank you. Thank you. Good. Good to have been here. So. You've been listening to Dreamland. Be sure to tune in again next week. Dreamland is brought to you by UnknownCountry.com and its family of subscribers. Our theme music is The O of Pleasure by Ray Lynch. Unknown Country was founded by Ann Streber. Our news editor is Matthew Frizzell. Our coordinator is Amy Safrankova. Whitley Streber is your Dreamland host.